Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, I'm going to ask you to, just for a little bit here, think back on your life in a way that may not be pleasant. It's not something I usually like to ask you to do. Um, but can you remember a time in your life, maybe you're sitting, you were standing, you were driving, whatever, but you were just overwhelmed because of your own choice, your own actions. Because you had failed. Again. You know, sometimes failure, I mean, I think failure is very much a part of our human experience. Um, and it causes all sorts of emotions and, and problems in our lives and the result of problems in our lives. Some of these failures might be, I mean, we have failures like we failed to stay on our diet, Right? for the 30th year in a row. <laughs> um, so it can be things like that. Uh, it could be a failure, it could be financial in nature, business, it could be something, a project you were going to fail, and, and the failure may not have any moral ramifications at all, right? It, it's just like you, you, you didn't do it right and it failed, you made a mistake, but you still struggle with it. But But know this, that not all failure is sinful or involves sin. But there's always a hard aspect to failure because there's a how do I respond to this? So it's always part of the dynamic when dealing with failure. But I think the failures that, that challenge us the most and hurt us the, 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 the deepest and hang on to us the longest are those failures where there is a moral component. Something was right, and we knew to do it, but we didn't. Or something was wrong, and we knew not to do it, but we did. And sometimes these failures are not known to anybody but us and God. And I think we, we like that. <laughs> um, sometimes our failures, though, are known to other people, and sometimes our failure is, seems like it's broadcast. And the point is, what do we do at that time? I mean, where you're like, I cannot believe I'm here. And, and you think of all the ripples that are going out from this, and, and, and you say, how in the world can I ever recover from this? And here's big, big danger. And this happens to a lot of people. It can happen to a Christian as easily as to someone who doesn't know the Lord. And that's that we can come to believe that failure is final. Right? This is just who I am. 
And when you get, now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but have you ever felt that way about something? You know, especially one of those things maybe nobody else knows about, but you failed again and you failed again and failed again. And you start to say what? This is just me. This is just the way I am. And failure, you adopt failure as final in your life. And when we do that, we become defined by that because we view ourselves that way. And we view then everything that comes our, ourselves this way. The next challenge that comes, we say, oh, well, this is just me. Um, and God challenges that way of thinking. If we will open up ourselves to him and think about it, he's going to challenge this idea that, that failure is final. Um, if our failures, and, and like I said, these are the, the ones I really want to focus in on today is failure that does involve sin in some way. Sin is something you did and shouldn't, or you didn't do, you should have, and, or a combination of them. Um, we want to talk about how do we deal with these things? How do we address those things? Because let me ask you, is, will you be affected by your sinful choices? Will your, your, your failure affect you? It will absolutely affect you. The question is, does it have to define you? That it becomes who you are? Like I said, we can fail in financial things, in business things. We can, we can fail in relationships. And many of you have experienced that in your life. We've all, everybody here has experienced failure in something at some point where you probably had regrets because of it. And so that's what we want to look at today. Because I want you to understand, this is the title of the sermon. Failure isn't final if. And so we want to go to the Word of God today and say, what is this if that I don't have to be stuck with this? So let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 26. And if, if you uh, don't have a Bible with you today, uh, we have Bibles under the chairs there. We really encourage you to, to just pick one up and follow it. Everybody around you can have a Bible, so feel free to grab that and uh, follow along. We're going to be on page, I think, 1146. Yep. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at, at one of the most well-known failures. And there are several in the Bible that, that a lot of people know about. But how would you like if your biggest failure got written down in a book that people read for the next 2,000 years? Well, that's the kind of what we're going to look at today. And we're going to see the amazing grace of God. Matthew chapter 26 is coming right down to the end here. That Judas is preparing to betray Jesus. They've, they're partaking of the Lord's Supper. And, and then verse 31 of chapter 26. It says, Then Jesus said to them, and then them is his disciples, all except Judas who has left. He says, All of you. How many of them? All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. You're going to fail. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd. That's Jesus. He was going to be taken and put on the cross. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be what? They're going to take off. 
Verse, 30, oh, verse 32, he says, But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Verse 33, But Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Everybody else does it, not me. Now we know where the story's going, right? But Peter is, is he's already, he's, he's comparing himself to everybody else, isn't he? He's making this comparison. I'm not like them. I'm different than them. I'm better than them. Maybe. Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And so they... I think they're emboldened by Peter's, you know, statement. Oh, yeah, us too. We, we're, the same. we're with you. Um, Peter still doesn't get it, does he? Because here he is, Jesus saying, no, no, here's what's going to happen. No, no, no. <laughs> he's, he's already done this kind of thing before, and the Lord had to call him out on it. But so he, it's how he's viewing himself, Okay. And I am never going to stumble. Go over to Luke chapter 22. And there's other events that happen that, that we aren't looking up here this morning, but we just, we just follow this story here. Page 1216. Luke 22. So that evening continues. Judas brings the officials to Jesus. They take him captive and um, take him away. Verse 54, it says, Having arrested him, Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, where were the other disciples? They had taken off, all except for John. And in another gospel, we hear that he had connections with the high priest. And so he actually went into the house where this was going on. But all the other disciples... Exactly what Jesus said, right? So give Peter credit. He's being brave here, isn't he? I'm going to live out this. I'm with you. I don't care what happens. I'm with you. So he follows at a distance, being careful. Verse 55, now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this to the people. This man was with him also. This man was with Jesus. Um, verse 57. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. How? I think Peter at this moment, in his mind, he's rational. He's strategy. This is his strategy, right? I'm just going to lay low. So I'm just denying, just in hiding, because I want to you know, be here for Jesus when he needs me. But what has he already done? He's already denied the Lord, just like Jesus said he would, first time. Verse 58, and after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, 
Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And, and one of the other gospels says, because he had a, an accent that indicated he was from Galilee, and Jesus was known to have been from Galilee. So he has to be one of them. Verse 60, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And, and one of the other gospels says he began to swear and to curse, saying, I don't know him. So I blankety blank don't know this blankety blank guy. In the middle of verse 60, immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and this is this next phrase, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. From where he was, he could look out in the courtyard, and he and Peter make eye contact. Peter hears the rooster and makes eye contact with the Lord. And it all just came crashing in on him. It says, Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. He is at this place of failure. And it is moral failure. He has lied about his relationship with Jesus. He's denied his Lord. Uh, and he is weeping bitterly. And so this is the kind of you know, place, I said, lots of times our failures don't seem this big. But at the root, there's a lot of the same things going on. And we find ourselves, I can't believe I'm here. I don't know what to do about it. And we are in danger of saying, this is final. This is it. I'm done. There's no recovering from this. And just let me say again, because I do not, as I go on today, I don't want anybody here today to think as we look at this, we're saying, oh, don't worry about it. Sin's not a big deal. Sin is a big deal. Sin dishonors the Lord. Sin damages us. Sin is that thing that if, if, if Jesus made eye contact with you, you would go and weep bitterly over it. And it affects us. And it does become a part of who we are and the story of our lives, right? And it affects how we look at things, how we respond. But failure doesn't have to be final. doesn't have to have the final word. And so that's what we want to look at today. So let's go to John 20, 21. If you can find John 22, go for it. John 21. This is after the fact, okay? Jesus already appeared to the disciples uh, on two or, th I think, three occasions. This is the third occasion. And um, so he's having a conversation with Peter at this point. The, Peter, at one point, you know, he said, that's it, I'm going fishing. Got back in their fishing boats, took the nets, went out. And I think that's probably an indication that Peter was thinking, oh, it's all over for me. I'm going back to the boat. <laughs> and so now the Lord has come and showed up, and he's having a conversation with Peter. Verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, what is he talking about when he says these? Uh, he could be talking about, do you love me more than these other men love me? And the other, do you love me more than that? Could be that. He could be saying, do you love me more than uh, these things? You have the boat, you have the nets, and do you love me more than these? Could be that. 
the other possibility, and I think is that it kind of it makes good sense to me, and that's that he's saying, "Do you love me more than these other guys?" You know, it could be, do you, excuse me, do you love me more than you love these other, other men? Do you love me? Or, but I think, I think it's, do you love me more than these others love me? And the reason I say that is because the, the, what has led to this is Peter saying what? Though everybody else deny you, not me. I, I'm with you more than anybody else. And, and so I think the Lord is saying, so Peter, do you love me more than anybody else? Does that make sense, right? Because Peter has compared himself, and so you say, okay, let's look at this comparison and see how you're doing here. Do you love me more than these? And verse, the, the verse continues, he said to him, Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And we're going to go back a little bit and, and break this down, talk more about it. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. I have something for you to do, Peter. Ministry. He, Jesus, said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. See, i got work for you to do. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Um. Have you ever had somebody ask you a question and you, you, you answered it, but they asked you again? And you answered it and they ask you again. What do you start to think? What's that? They aren't what? Believing me. They're not convinced <laughs> that my answer is true and right. And so we might sense that here about a third time. There's another reason I'll come back to a minute. Let's just finish reading the passage here. Verse 18, Jesus speaking. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then he's, this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. So stop there. Um, the stories have it, the legend has it, probably true that, G, that Peter, when he was facing death uh, for being a follower of Christ, that they plan to crucify him. And this is the idea. You will what? Stretch out your arms. Okay? Um, and Peter said, I am not worthy to be experienced death the same way that my Lord did and requested that he be crucified upside down. And that's, I said, we don't know for sure if that's exactly what happened, but that is what has come down through the traditions. So he said, okay, here's how you're going to glorify God in your death. And it says, and when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Now let me ask you, does Jesus know that Peter has failed? Jesus made eye contact with him right when the rooster crowed, right? He knows. And he says, hey, I got work for you to do. Follow me. Does Jesus view Peter's failure as final? No, he isn't. Is Peter? Maybe. It says, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's how John referred to himself. 
whom Jesus loved, following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? This is classic. Peter, who has failed hugely, overwhelmed with it. Well, but what about that guy? Where does this go back to? Now, he wasn't blaming necessarily, but does this go back to the garden and Adam and Eve and God saying to Adam, Adam, did you do this? And Adam goes, that woman that you made. And the woman goes, that serpent that you, right? I mean, there's this shifting away from me. What about this guy? Verse 22, Jesus said to him, if I will, if it's my will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So he basically tells Peter what? What business is that of yours? It's not your business. It's not your issue, Peter. That's between me and him. And I'm telling you what? You follow me. Okay. Just to, to close this out. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, when, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written, saying, trying to express there's many other things Jesus did that I did not include in this gospel. So this was John writing this, the one who's being talked about there. But let's go back into our passage, and, and I think there's something here that will help us to understand even more where Peter is at and what's going on with him after this failure. In the Greek language which the New Testament was written in, the Holy Spirit inspired the authors to write what God wanted written without error, without anything added, what God wanted written, and they wrote it down in the Greek language. And so the Holy Spirit had led them to, to choose these words. And, and there's multiple words in the Greek language that expresses love and different kinds of love. And um, I mean, we have the same thing in our language. Different words express different kinds of, of feelings. But particularly, there are two words that are used here in this passage to uh, describe love. And the first one is agapao. And that is a love that's based in the will. Okay, this place where I choose and I decide to love. This love is not based on how I feel doesn't matter how I feel. I've made a choice when I love someone that I am always going to act in their best interest. I'm always going to do what's right with respect to my relationship with them. This is the kind of love when it says, for God so loved the world. That's what it's talking about. This is the love that, that Jesus says that we are to love each other the way he's loved us. It's the agapao love. And it's, it's the love that a husband is said that he is supposed to love his wife the way Christ has loved us. Agapao. Okay? It's a, it's a no matter how I feel, no matter what the circumstances are kind of love. All right? Another word that's used for love is phileo. And this is a love that's really based in the feelings. This is how I feel about it. And, and I say in feelings, that's not necessarily a negative thing. It's, it's real. It's genuine. That, that you know, um, this is a love that is like 
friendship love. You know, I just, I really like this person because I love my friend, okay? Uh, it's, it's about affection and shared interest and, and, uh, in the feelings. And it's, uh, so this is where we get, um, two words, phileo and adelphos, meaning brother. And Philadelphos, Philadelphia, the city of what? Brotherly love. Okay, so this is that word, phileo, okay? Now, what we don't see in English, and they've translated accurately in English because we, we, uh, that's just the way the English language is here. Jesus, when he asks him, Peter, do you love me? Let's go ahead and put up the next screen there. Simon, son of Jonah, do you agapao me more than these? And Simon answers, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. See what he's saying? Oh, Lord, you know. I Look, I, I did this. I let you down. You know that I like you. I have strong feelings for you. But I cannot say that I agapao you. Because of what I did and the way I am. And so Jesus asked him again, do you love me? Go to the next one there. Uh, is that the next one? I'm sorry, I didn't, okay. Simon, son of Jonah, do you agapao love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. All right, continue. Simon, son of Jonah. Go on the next one there, Stephen. Simon, son of Jonah. Do you follow me? Who, Jesus said that. He changed his word, didn't he? It's like he's saying, okay, so you only have this level of love for me. Is that what you're telling me, Peter? And this is why Peter was grieved, because the third time he said to him, what? Do you follow me? And it's, Lord, you know it. You know that's where I'm at. And grieved because I denied him. And I never saw myself being here. But he is. And so this is what's going on. And Peter is at risk of this failure becoming final in his life. His beliefs about it, his response to it, and the rest of his life in light of it. So what we want to do is see how there's some truths from the scripture here and things, the ways that the Lord deals with Peter that will remind us that failure isn't final if, and the first one is this, if we humble ourselves before the Lord. Humble ourselves before the Lord. And we say, well, duh, Peter's pretty humble here, isn't he? Well, I would say to you that I don't think Peter is really humbled yet sufficiently. And we see that because it isn't, it just is real quick that he turns the attention from me to who? What about that guy? When we talk about being humble before the Lord, and, and we, we see the scripture, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble, that being humble is not about going, oh, I am such a worm. I'm no good. I'm... Uh, it isn't about that. It's about actually seeing yourself the way you really are before the Lord. Seeing yourself accurately. You know, and so when I see myself before the Lord, how does my natural holiness compare to His? No comparison. How does my love compare to His? 
I think Peter was probably being generous when he said, I feel that owe you. <laughs> you know, left to ourselves, we are in a world of hurt. We are not pretty creatures. Especially when you put us up next to the Lord, we are pretty ugly. And so we see ourselves that, well, apart from the Lord, but the thing is, I'm not apart from the Lord. I see myself the way I am, that yes, left to myself in this way, but, but Jesus has valued me so highly that he gave his life for me. He did this. He took my sins upon him, paid that penalty, rose from the dead, and he's, he's forgiven me, and he's, he's given me eternal life, and he's come to live in me, and he's never leaving me. Wow, that humbles me. Because do I deserve that? I haven't earned it, have I? And you guys just say, no, Walt, you definitely haven't earned it. <laughs> well, neither have you. We haven't earned it, can't earn it. But so when we come to this realization that we have a relationship with the Lord on the basis of his love and his valuation and what he says about us and that he created us in his image and he's in the process of restoring that image and on and on it goes, and, and that I have earned none of that. That's humbling, isn't it? And so when we humble ourselves before the Lord, we're actually seeing ourselves the way we really are, the way that God sees us and the way that he says things are to be. Okay? And so if we will humble ourselves, he will give us what? Grace. And and, I'm trying to think if I want to walk down that path or not. Yeah, I do. Um, so just know that sometimes when, you know, I've, I'm sure Dave has dealt with it, I've dealt with it, we have people who have failed and failed big time. But they are seeing themselves as a failure. They're, they're believing failure is final, and we take the word of God and the truth and talk to them about it, and they say, no, well, that might be true for everybody else, but not for me. I am too bad. I am worth... Do you see that? That's a subtle form of pride. I am not going to see it the way God says it is. And really, it's time to get over yourself. You are savable. You are rescuable. And you're worth rescuing in God's eyes. And so we need to believe that. All right. Uh, Failure is also not final. The second thing is if we're honest with ourselves and with the Lord about our failures. Um, and you think about this, does the Lord already know? Okay. So it's ridiculous to think that somehow or other we can fudge this with the Lord. So he already knows. That's, that's settled. So who we really need to be honest with about this? Ourselves. We need to see it for what it is. Call it what it is. Be honest about it. Open about it. We need to agree with God about it. This was wrong. What I did was wrong. And it'll be wrong tomorrow if I do. I mean, it's wrong. And I need to turn away from this. And I need to turn to the Lord. But we've got to be honest with ourselves about it. Now, here is the good news. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. A lot of you have it committed to memory probably. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? And not only to forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, cool. That's a great promise. What does the word confess mean? You know, if you're from a religious background where you think you have to go in, sit down and talk to another human being and 
say your sins to them. That's not what we're talking about here. This word confess, uh, the, the root um, meaning means to say the same thing as. So what does God say about this sin? Well, you need to say the same thing about it. You need to be in agreement with God about it. And this is what we're talking about, what? Being honest with ourselves about this sin or these sins. And so being open and honest, don't, you know, here's the deal. If you want to, and this is kind of what I see Peter trying to do. He's trying to divert attention from me to this other guy. Well, what about him? I'm feeling pretty bad in this conversation. Uh, What about him? If you want to try to divert the attention, if you want to try to lessen it, well, yeah, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. Or you want to try to excuse it. Well, I know I shouldn't have done it, but he, she. When you do that, you are stuck with it. You do not escape it. When I say escape it, again, I don't mean... it's going to affect you, but I, it doesn't have to own you. It doesn't have to define you, but it will as long as you're in denial about it. Okay? But if you will be honest and agree with God about it, what's he going to do? You're going to experience this forgiveness, and not just the forgiveness, but the cleaning up. You don't have to go away from this dirty. And there are people who walk through life feeling dirty. Okay? We don't have to. He'll clean us all up. All right, a third thing that's uh, important. If we want to um, not have this be fine in our lives, we need to view our failures the way the Lord does. And that kind of flows out of this. We've agreed with him about it, right? We need to see the failure. Does Jesus, based on what we see in the Scripture, what we've read here, I mean, what did Jesus say to Peter? I mean, he doesn't even ask him about the failure here, does he? He says, do you love me? Let's, let's deal with this. And because he knows Peter needs to deal with this. Yes, Lord, you know I kind of love you. All right, feed my sheep. I got something for you to do. Feed them. I got ministry for you to do. Do you love me? I got ministry for you. Yeah. How did the Lord see Peter? As lost and, and, and wasted and useless? No, in fact, probably this, what Peter's going to learn from this failure is going to be of great benefit in the future. Not that he needed to do that to get there. Okay, um, And so the Lord doesn't see it the same way Peter does. And so Peter needs to begin to see it the way he does. When we've failed, we need to begin to see it the way the Lord does. And, and I, I want to show you something. This, 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 this touches my heart. When after Jesus rises from the dead and the angels appear and they talk to women, the different Gospels include different parts of that story. Uh, but in the Gospel of Mark, we see this, the angel talking to the women. He says this, but go... Tell his disciples. Those next two words, what are they? And Peter, specifically, go tell Peter. That the Lord is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Make sure Peter knows that he's still one of us. Isn't that huge? And so when, when you and I fail and we find ourselves and thinking it's all over and, and yeah, there may be ongoing consequences and we get that, but is it all over? Is God done with me? Is, is there any hope for me? Yes. Go tell Walt. 
Right? Go tell Dave. Go tell them. That's how the Lord feels about it. So I'm going to step away from this list of things that we have to do to make sure failures and final. Because here's an important truth we need to understand. Our relationship with Jesus is not dependent on how well we love him. It's dependent on how well he loves us. You get that? Do I need to elaborate on that? I think it's clear enough, right? It doesn't depend on how well we love him because we're going to do this. We should be agapowing and we can, but then we fail and we phileo or worse. But our relationship doesn't depend on that. Jesus already settled this. In, in Romans chapter 5, it says, But God showed his great love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I, I left off part of that verse, I realized. So he died for us when, when we were what? Still sinners. So did he know about this failure that I am in, this deep, dark hole of failure that I'm in? And I, I can't believe I've done it, and it's terrible. And it's wrong. It's wrong against God. It's wrong against other people. And, and here I am. Did Jesus know about that when he went to the cross? Absolutely. As he looks from the cross, that's one of the things he died for. He already paid the penalty for it. Is that good news or what? Okay, now you said, okay, good, I can live however I want to live. If, if that's what you would say, I would tell you, you didn't get what I got when I got sick. I do fail, but the reality is I don't want to. He changed me deep down inside. And I talked about it a couple weeks ago and illustrated it at the keyboard. If you can live like however you want and you don't care, then you're not saved. Okay? That's the reality. And if you have a question about it, we could talk about it. We can fine-tune that. But that's the reality. So he knew about this. Uh, think about what he said to the woman caught in adultery. Was adultery a terrible sin? It affects so many people, so many really hard ways. But Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He's not being easy on the sin. He's saying, but I don't condemn you. Your failure here isn't final. Get up and go. Do better. All right. And so this idea of seeing it the way the Lord sees it. Uh, also, um, failure isn't final if we don't compare ourselves with others. And I think we see Peter set himself up for this failure by comparing himself with others, right? Though everybody else does, not me. And then at the end here, even with John, he's saying, well, what about this guy? He's starting to turn and look at else other people. Um, scripture says, it's in other contexts, we're talking about people, but it says this, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, what's the next three words? Are not wise. Other people are the wrong standard. You know why? You can always find somebody who's worse than you, can't you? Oh, I'm not so bad, look. If, or if you're going the other direction to this, you can always find people who are better than you and say, see, look. Well, let me encourage you. What I want you to do, instead of comparing yourself to the people, I want you to compare yourself to the Lord and His standards. You know why? Because you're always going to fall short of that one. But you're falling short of that one, and you say, Jesus, I know that. I love you. I died and paid the penalty for these sins. You can be free from the uh, eternal consequences of it. I can set you free from the... Con right? There's freedom there. 
You shall know the truth, and if you practice it, you will experience what? Freedom. All right, the final one is this. Failure isn't final if we get back on the horse. (laughs) And that's not from a Bible verse anywhere. (laughs) But I think we get the idea, right? The old adage, you fall off a horse, you need to get back on the horse. Because if you don't get back on the horse, you may... Never get back on the horse. And so we got to get back on the horse, get back into doing what the Lord said. Because what did Jesus say to him? Follow me. Get back on the horse. Follow me. And what you think? Peter did get back on the horse. He did. Peter had the privilege of preaching the first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter had the privilege of of officially opening up the gospel to the Samaritans. Peter had the privilege of opening up the gospel to the Gentiles. And probably all of us, or most all of us here today, are saved because of that. Peter had those privileges. And then we look at his letters and we see this this depth of his understanding of what it means to have a, a saving relationship with the Lord in his letters. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4, he says, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for us, even those of us who failed so desperately. He, in uh, Verse 7, he says, talks about the, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where was Peter's faith in his, at his failure? It was what? Pretty low. Gone. How about after his failure? Pretty low. But what did God do? God, Peter's faith was so precious, and God worked and worked, and strengthened, and grew. And Peter saying, it's amazing. In chapter 3, he says this, For it is better if the will of God, it is, if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And parentheses, that's not written there, I know what I'm talking about. I've suffered for doing evil. I've suffered for doing good. It's much better to suffer for doing good. And then uh, in chapter 5, he says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care on him, for he what? He cares for you. I learned this. I learned that when I was at my lowest, that he cares for me. When I thought it was all over, he cared for me. So guys, cast your cares on him. When you find yourself struggling, cast your cares on him. He cares for you. And in his second letter, he says that the Lord is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And he's really talking about unsaved people getting saved there. But I think Peter has a twinkle in his eyes. He says this. He says, the Lord is long-suffering toward us. He got back on the horse and chose to follow. The Lord said, follow me. And so here's the deal. Failure's coming. Failure has come. It doesn't have to be final. And it isn't final if we do these five things. We humble ourselves before the Lord. We're honest with ourselves and the Lord about our failures. We view our failures the way the Lord does. And we don't compare ourselves with others. And then we get back on the horse and follow him. Hard things to go through. 
but good, 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 good news. Right? Your failures aren't final. Don't have to be. Let's go over in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you deal so straightforward with these things and with our failures. And amazingly, Father, you know, we in our world, Lord, when people fail, we tend to devalue them. When, when we fail, people tend to devalue us. But Father, thank you that when we fail, you don't devalue us. You've already shown how you value us. And that you're ready and willing to restore us. And, and we know, Father, we, we don't want to take a light view of sin any way, shape, or form. And we know that sin affects us and leaves scars and, and produces difficulties and might even keep us from doing certain things. But even when that happens, Father, you are not done with us. You say, I know. Follow me. And I pray, Father, that that's where we would be in our hearts, whether we are doing really well today and hopefully humble before you in it, or whether if someone here today, Lord, is just devastated because of where they're at in their life, that you are not done with us. I pray you work in our lives in the ways that we need to know and understand as we can respond. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Go out and live in this amazing grace of God this week.